Welcome in once again to the XFL Fantasy Central Podcast. I'm your host, Rod Villagomez. You can find me on Twitter at RJ Villagomez. Find the show at XFL Fantasy Cast. Action-packed, fun show for you today. We welcome in Anthony Miller. He writes for the XFL board about the Dallas Renegades. We're going to talk some fantasy options uh, with the Dallas team. And then, of course, we're bringing back in good old John Ferguson, at Fantasy Ferguson on Twitter. Got a lot of stuff to talk about with him. We're going to talk about coaching strategies and how that should impact your draft and all sorts of great stuff. I mean, tell you, this show is one to catch. So uh, we are going to get started right now. No more ado. Before we welcome in the guests, I want to take a quick second and let's just talk about some of the stuff that's been going on uh, around the league as we get ready for kickoff. Man, we're only single digits away now. February 8th is when this whole thing kicks off and we are so dangerously close that I cannot even contain myself a second longer. But uh, let's talk some of the fantasy relevant stuff that's been going on. And listen, I know that everybody is waiting and waiting and waiting for an announcement uh, as far as where they can play fantasy football and look I get it and I've and I've heard it on Twitter a few times already and they're like well you know DraftKings never formally announced it and uh, FanDuel has never formally announced it and yes nobody's shot out a commercial that says hey play XFL on DraftKings but there has been enough of a a corroboration between folks that uh, are in the know and actually uh, have spoken to entities from these to gather that yes both DraftKings and from what I'm understanding now, FanDuel will be offering some sort of fantasy uh, XFL content. And if you need any more proof uh, that there's going to be XFL DraftKings contest, one of the NFL showdowns this uh, coming up week for the Super Bowl is a free entry to the XFL kickoff uh, contest. So I don't know what other proof you need. So DraftKings is definitely going to have XFL contests. Uh, when and what that structure is going to be like, we will find out. And and look, there was a interview that Oliver Luck just did with uh, 101 ESPN, uh, and, and he actually alluded to the fact that there was going to be an announcement coming up uh, regarding sports betting. And he really didn't say much about fantasy. He was talking more about sports betting and, and that kind of stuff and legal sports betting. So he danced around the fantasy question a little bit and he didn't really say fantasy. So for those of you holding out hope that the XFL has its own fantasy platform, listen, I always tell you, I want to be proven wrong. I am not too proud to to stand on a soapbox and scream that it's not going to happen because listen that just means that it's more football more fantasy for us and I welcome that uh, but I am not going to hold my breath for an XFL uh, sponsored fantasy football game in what we're hoping for I I, I know it just and I, I think I talked about it with Anthony I don't know if I talked about it on air or off air uh, but I just don't see them offering a season-long uh, option a week out I mean, you know, it just doesn't make any sense to to offer this a week out. It doesn't give a lot of lead time, doesn't give it a lot of prep time. Um, but again, please prove me wrong. Please offer something so we can play it. Uh, but until then, again, I know that there's folks out there that want an app, but altfantasysports.com is running these contests if you don't want to keep score by hand 
or uh, uh, try to do some other stuff that is difficult to do. And if you have the time to do it, please go ahead and do it. Um, but I don't have that time. And that's why folks like Alt Fantasy Sports exist so that they do all of that for me and I don't have to worry about uh, keeping score by hand. Um, call me a, a generational player, but I just don't enjoy keeping stuff by hand. Because uh, when I even started playing, Sandbox did it for me. I didn't have to do it by hand. Uh, so anyways, but yeah, yeah, that that is one of the the big things that's uh, that's going on right now, and uh, we're wait patiently for Oliver Luck next week to make some kind of announcement um, that we are going to see some fantasy uh, uh, stuff going on. So also uh, some starters being named at quarterback uh, because we already, I guess we don't get depth charts until next week, I, I think. Uh, but we definitely have a couple of starters right now being named. Uh, and, and Jordan Ta'amu is one of those for the St. Louis Battlehawks. He is going to be their starting quarterback, uh, which, you know, that's huge news already because now that we have uh, an actual starter, um, we can start ranking, we can start, you know, building our, our uh, rosters and, and thinking about what we're going to do week one uh, when we when we start drafting and stuff. So that's that's huge. And, and then, of course, you know, that just makes it to where now we are looking at the players around him and we can start game planning for that um, as well. And, and it's it's crazy because we're getting so close and I know that there's a lot of people that are trying to rank and that are trying to, to come up with, um, you know, their, their draft charts, but it's so hard to do right now when you don't know exactly what the landscape is going to look like. Um, because then <laughs> you're making changes all the time. And, and now that the 52 man roster came out, um, that that's the huge news too that we didn't get to talk about before because we were just talking about it happening. But yes, the fifty-two man rosters have come out, and so now we have a long, hard look at uh, at who's actually going to be um, on these teams. You know, and that's why we're going to talk a lot of with the rest of the the folks about the league and their individual teams. Um, now we can actually start putting stuff together, you know, and there's a lot of names that didn't make it that people are starting to question. There's a lot of names that did make it that, um, you know, that are, are, are making you scratch your head. Um, but you know, to me, now that we've seen some solid names, um, it makes it a little bit easier to start building out your draft boards, which is what I'm doing right now. And I will actually release um, some draft boards here within the next couple of days. So be on the lookout on Twitter um, at XFL fantasy cast. Uh, and, and we are going to be putting that out and, and showing you uh, at least get you familiar with the names. You know what I'm saying? Like at least get you uh, um, in the know about the names that you're looking at. And uh, if nothing else, you can, use it to um, use it to, to draft because there's a lot of these, these folks that you'll be looking at that you'll say, mm, I don't really know who this guy is. And so if you at least see it on um, paper, you might be able to make a decision about it a little bit easier. 
We also know that the starting quarterback position in Seattle is locked up. Brandon Silvers is going to be the week one starter. We already know that going into it. So two out of the eight we know that are going to be starters already. And that's, again, huge when we start <clears throat> talking about uh, who to draft. And Now, neither one of them are probably going to go in the first round. And I know that there's a lot of folks that hold the opinion that quarterbacks need to go early. But uh, I just, I don't know. I, I'm still skeptical of grabbing a quarterback um too early and and unless it's one of those guys who you know is going to dominate and and again there's debate on who that's going to be so um I don't know. I just feel like the the quarterback position in 10 games could be a carousel if people don't perform quickly. There's going to be a lot of uh, jumpiness going on and trying to, to, to figure out who's going to give you the best opportunity to win and win quickly because you only got 10 games. Uh, and so if, if after two games, you know, you're already a fifth of the way through the season and you're starting to see your chances at playoffs slip away, uh, you may pull that trigger early and, and pull somebody else in. And if you drafted one of the quarterbacks too high uh, and you didn't really get much depth elsewhere, then, you know, you kind of left yourself high and dry. But anyways, so we know that Jordan Tamu and uh, Brandon Silvers are both named starting quarterbacks for their respective teams. And, uh, you know, that's, that's going to be pretty good for us going forward, at least knowing um, what they are capable of and bringing to the table. I'm sure more and more over the next week are going to be named. Obviously, we'll find out the rest of them next week um, when depth charts actually drop. So, uh, again, I'm telling you right now, I, I understand that everybody's anxious and they want to draft and they want to hurry up and they want to get it. But, you know... I, I, I would exercise caution in drafting. I would wait until, you know, maybe Wednesday night when everything is all settled and, and all the depth charts are out and then you know where people are going to be at because, you know, just like with these 52-man rosters that just came out, there's a lot of people that drafted a lot of players that are no longer with the XFL. And so now they're left high and dry because they... they held their draft before the rosters even came out. So we got to let these things simmer just a little bit before we start jumping into the water. Um, and, and again, I don't, it's not like I, I, I really think that, uh, um, you're wrong if you do, but I just think you're going to make your life a whole heck of a lot easier. If you just exercise a little bit of patience, just, just sit back for a little bit. This league is going to be fun and it's going to be more fun when you draft the right way. And when you're ready to, to do this, uh, 100%. So, uh, all right, listen, there's a lot more to get to Anthony Miller, uh, uh, John Ferguson, and, and we're going to talk a lot more about everything you need to hear. You don't need to hear my ramblings. Let's listen to the, <laughs> let's listen to the guys that, uh, that have their ears way closer to the ground, uh, and tell you all about it. So, uh, all right, rest of the show coming up right now. On the line with me now is Anthony Miller. He writes for the Dallas Renegades. I got that right. For the XFL board. Uh, and he has been a, a, a huge supporter since the second I think they found out they were going to get a team. Um, we go back to the AAF days. Anthony, thanks for joining the show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I've been looking forward to this. Oh, well, I, I'm so glad to hear that. And uh, I think our, our listeners are too, because happy show uh, guests make for good show guests. So... <laughs> Absolutely, I agree. Uh, all right, so you cover the Dallas Renegades, or the DSE, I almost did it, the Dallas Renegades. First of all, how'd that get started, and uh, and what was your adventures like to, to start covering this team? So I've been following the XFL since Vince McMahon made the, the announcement in 2018, which I was super excited about because I was about nine years old when the first XFL happened, so 
around that time, I was a big WWF fan as well. So I got into the XFL and was sad when it went because I was so young and I was so attached to things so quickly. So when Vince McMahon made that announcement a couple years ago, I got really excited about it. But I didn't really start writing for it until this past August where, you know, I've been following a lot of XFL websites and, you know, telling the news and stuff like that. And, you know, I came across XFLboard.com, literally just applied. And then uh, Mark Nelson brought me on to write for the Dallas Renegades. And ever since then, I've just been completely hooked on the XFL and been, I'm, I'll be honest, I'm really attached to the Renegades. So I've been really looking forward to seeing what this league has and what the Dallas Renegades have been able to produce since uh, they first came into since they first hired Bob Stoops and all that good stuff. Yeah, that was a, a blockbuster marquee signing right there. Bob Stoops as, as general manager and head coach, right? So, I mean, the man's got a lot of control over this uh, organization and who they who they sign. And obviously, he's made splashes already in the league, and the thing hasn't even kicked off yet. Yeah, and I, I think the big thing has to go to, big props has to go to Oliver Luck. I mean, he was probably the most important signing, first of all, for the XFL. He's been able to attract some of the the top coaches or top assistant coaches to come be um, to come to be the face of this league. So that was huge first. And then Bob Stoops influence on bringing players in, I'm sure had a big factor as well. I mean, that was a big reason why Landry Jones came into the XFL and then everyone started speculating that he was going to join Bob Stoops. And sure enough, we got the news that Landry Jones was going to be Bob Stoops quarterback in Dallas, which was great for the XFL. So um, you know, Bob Stoops' influence has been huge on a lot of these players because he, he played against a lot of them in college. And they see names like Bob Stoops and Kevin Gilbright, you know, big name coaches come to this league. And it, I, I'm sure it got players really excited about joining. Well, that and just a chance to play football again. I mean, we, we didn't see this kind of excitement. Uh, we haven't seen this kind of excitement, I should say, uh, since the AAF folded uh, after eight uh, very short games. And uh, But we see the impact of the AAF in the XFL rosters. And, you know, obviously uh, the the Renegades are no, uh, they're, they're, just like every other team where they got names that are riddled with ones that we recognize as AAF fans. And so, you know, you talk about this Renegades roster and already you, you said the name Landry Jones, which is one of the hot names in the uh, XFL right now. And obviously he's starting this season on a not so great foot as he's injured. So let, let's start there. Let's start breaking down some of this stuff and talk about the fantasy relevance of some of these players. So let's, let's start with Landry Jones. What are we hearing? Is he ready for week one? Um, should people draft him uh, in the first round, I guess is what most people want to hear. So the interesting thing about the Landry Jones situation is I'm sure the biggest question, especially for fantasy, is is he going to start week one? Um, from what we've been hearing from Bob Stoops and Landry Jones when he spoke with the media earlier this week, um, they both made it clear that Landry Jones has been out there. He's been throwing the ball and he, you know, Jones has said he feels good. Um, the, his timetable obviously is to come back to week one, but he did say worst case scenario was going to be week two. So it will be just, I think it's a matter of how does practice go next week? How does he do when he's in the pads? Can he move around well on that knee? So I, I think that's going to be kind of interesting from a fantasy standpoint. I still think Landry Jones, is going to be one of the probably top three quarterbacks to draft just because of the type of offense that Landry Jones is in. He's in the air raid offense with um, the inventor himself, Hal Mummy, the offensive coordinator. So I 
it's almost like Landry Jones is guaranteed to put up big numbers in terms of yardage and touchdowns because this is going to be an offense that's probably going to throw the ball 60 to 70 times per game. So I still think Landry Jones is worth a high draft pick. But for for those who decide to go with Landry Jones, it may not be a bad idea in the late rounds to maybe pick up Philip Nelson because even if Philip Nelson's the one that has to start week one, I still feel like he's capable of putting up big numbers as well. He's learned the offense really well. He's got a great arm. Uh, he's got pinpoint accuracy when throwing deep balls. So Nelson is an absolute great choice for for uh, fantasy players to go after. Now, in terms of Eric Dungy, the third-string quarterback, I, I know a lot of people thought there was kind of a quarterback battle between the two of them. But I feel like Nelson has probably got the edge just because he's been in the offense longer and he's got a better feel for what how Mummy wants. And Dungy's had injury problems himself with the hamstring that he had to battle throughout camp. So Philip Nelson looks like he's going to be the starter if Landry Jones doesn't play. So for fantasy owners, still draft Landry Jones high, but if you but in the later rounds, you know, pick up Phil Nelson just in case just as a, as a safety net, just in case Jones doesn't play week one. Well, let's not discount the fact that Philip Nelson has played. I mean, we, we, we kind of sometimes glance over the fact that some of these guys have put on pads and Philip Nelson was one of the guys. And, and, you know, I know that our listeners are probably getting tired of hearing the AAF, but I mean, it happened and it was something that these guys played last season and they were out there, even if it was only for eight games, they were still playing live football, live reps. And Philip Nelson wasn't doing that bad with the fleet. So, you know, again, this is, this is one of those guys that is not just a quality stash, but should Landry Jones suffer, Philip Nelson is probably going to be that guy that steps in that role. So you are going to be good to grab him um, if Landry Jones either sits out or underperforms. Yeah, and the big thing with Nelson also, he he played with Mike Martz in that in the with the San Diego Fleet in the Alliance, which is big because Mike Martz is also a pass happy head coach. And you know, I had a chance to talk to Nelson during minicamp before all these the the injury happened with Larry Jones. And he told me just that experience with Mike Martz and just learning the offense and being comfortable in a you know a pass heavy offense was really big for him. And I think it's really helped him in his development here in Dallas and being able to learn the air raid offense. So I think regardless of who's in the lineup in week one, I, I agree with you. I think Philip Nelson is still a really good choice. I still think he'll put up good fantasy numbers, and he's a good emergency quarterback to have just in case Landry Jones would get hurt. No, I absolutely agree with that assessment. And I think, again, I, I recommended in uh, uh, the first round taking Landry Jones second, again, with the uh, with the thought that he is going to start week one. Obviously, if we hear something else, we'll move him down, maybe second and third round. But I still think that Landry Jones, and, and I know that people are throwing out names like Josh Johnson, Cardell Jones, and, and stuff like that. But, you know, I also made a comment earlier, and I tweeted out, I said, listen, I think the quarterback position in this league is going to be a little more volatile than most people are, are assuming. I think they think that these quarterbacks are going to get there, and then they're just going to be set for the rest of the season. But we, we've seen it time and time again where a lot of these guys, they get in, and, and for whatever reason, it looks they look good on paper. Right, but they get out and then they just can't perform. And so, especially in a league that small, where where turnover is going to probably be bigger than we anticipate, um, you know, drafting these guys high, okay, but always make sure you have a safety net right behind it to make sure that uh, you know if you do draft the right quarterback or the wrong quarterback, rather, uh, you have somebody in the in the shoot waiting to take his place. Exactly. I, I think for fantasy in the XFL is totally different from NFL fantasy because in the NFL. 
your first picks are usually the running backs or the wide receivers in those first couple rounds. In the XFL, it's got to be the quarterbacks. Just because the running backs and the receivers are just deeper in the XFL than it is with quarterbacks. So when you only have those eight teams, you have to go after the top quarterback. So for me personally, I, I feel like guys like Cardell Jones, I mean, Cardell Jones would be my number one quarterback. I think Landry Jones would probably be number two. Uh, Josh Johnson, just because of his athletic ability, probably puts him in that top three or four. But it's critical to get that quarterback because if you don't get the right quarterback and you get one that maybe at the bottom of the list, that's going to put you at a disadvantage in the XF, in your XFL fantasy leagues. The running backs and receivers you can kind of play around with and make sure you get the right guys. Those are a little bit easier as a draft just because there's a lot of talent at those positions. But for quarterbacks, you got to be really careful on who you pick. And especially when you're going after backup quarterbacks, you got to pick the right one because some of these starters may play all year. And if you get one that's hurt and you draft a, a backup one, you better hope that backup plays. Otherwise, um, you're, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. Well, let's talk about those running backs. Uh, we, we know we'll move on to that position where you've got a couple of names that people recognize. And in a in a situation where this is a brand new league with brand new teams, people are going to flock to names that they recognize, especially if they don't listen to shows like this or follow Twitter accounts that uh, give you some you know perspective on players that may they may not know. Um, but the two that people know, obviously, Lance Dunbar, right, played with the Cowboys. Cameron mm-hmm. Artis Payne played with the Panthers. So people know those names um what are we what are we thinking about this running back position and should we should we gravitate toward those names or are there names on there that uh, people don't know that they should be putting on their draft boards when i had a chance to talk to the to how mummy and some of the offensive coach or you know just reading about what the offensive coaches said about the running back position it was probably the most competitive battle in uh camp for dallas just because they have so much talent in that backfield obviously cameron artist Spain is probably the favorite to start so it would probably be simple to think that he would be the top choice uh, it's it's going to be interesting just because this is an air raid offense so a lot of it is passing so it'll be interesting to see how many carries uh cameron artist Payne will actually get uh, but I, I would say with Lin- with lance dunbar he's got a lot of talent i mean he's got great hands i'm sure they're going to put him out in the slot as a receiver so he's going to be used quite a bit in the passing game my only thing is be careful with lance dunbar he has injury issues that kind of cost him to, um, you know, leave the NFL early during his last few years with the Dallas Cowboys and the St. Louis Rams. He's had some injury issues in camp already. Um, I know uh, Coach Stoops already talked about it earlier earlier this week, talking about how Dunbar uh, suffered an injury, but it looks like he will play for week one. I would be a little bit weary about drafting him, but if he stays healthy, then he may be a steal just because of what he can do in the passing game. A running back that I would consider people to look at is Austin Walter. Uh, this dude made a lot of great catches in camp. He is a really he's a surprising athletic um, running back out of the backfield. He's got great hands. He reminds me of Lance Dunbar a lot. He's a short back that can make a lot of plays out of the backfield. I really like how he ran the ball as well. I think he's a hard runner. I think he could maybe get some rotation time if Lance Dunbar can't stay healthy. Obviously, I would go Cameron Artis Payne as the number one back, but I don't know if I would draft him as high as the other running backs because I just don't know how many carries he's going to get. But Lance Dunbar and Austin Walter are also are guys that I would also consider to play big factors in not only the running game, but in the passing game. 
And so I'm putting my PPR sheet together uh, in my draft sheet, and I've got Dunbar right now at running back five because of that, because I feel like he will catch more passes than a Cameron Artis Payne, which who is actually right back to back uh, in the rankings. And, and maybe I need to change this after talking to you, but um, I feel like Dunbar is going to get his fair share of catches in that offense. And I, I think that ranks pretty high up there. I don't know. Maybe I'm too high on him, but I, I, I feel like he is one of those backs that has the type of, um, I guess, experience and hands uh, that can do you uh, pretty good. And like you said, he's a steal, um, but maybe putting him at five doesn't make him a steal. Uh, <laughs> so we'll, I guess we'll see about that. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, as long as he stays healthy, I think he could be. And I think the one thing that may separate him from Cameron Artis Fane is because he's in a pass happy offense in Dallas. So that could work at his advantage to Dunbar where he I wouldn't be surprised if he has more receiving yards and rushing yards this season. I really wouldn't. I I can see him being thrown out in the slot and being used on, you know, a lot of short yard passes in that slot receiver position. So, I, I mean, I, I think it's safe to say as long as Dunbar is healthy, he will be a factor in fantasy. I just between him and Cameron Artis Payne, it's going to be close because Artis Payne is going to get a lot of carries, but Dunbar is going to get a lot of catches. Well, and my my memory might be faded because I don't know. It's been a while since I've watched actually Cameron Artis uh, Payne play, but I, I thought he was more of a, a, a thumper, you know, kind of a, a plotter where it, he didn't necessarily uh, have huge plays, but he was good for you know those three yard and a cloud of dust type carries. And, and maybe I'm wrong. I don't remember. But I mean, I, I feel like that's what I watched when I watched Cameron Artis Payne all the time. Yeah, he's a shorter back who has good size. And a lot of the times when he ran the ball in uh, practice and in camp, he ran, he would be able to run up the middle in between the guard and the center. So he's got good ability to break the tackle and run up the middle. So he'll be he'll be used more as a power runner while they're probably going to use Dunbar and Walter to run to the outside. So, yeah, they're two different types of backs, you know, Artis Payne will be able to run hard in the middle and they'll just be able to sweep or toss it to a Dunbar or Walter. So anything on Marquise Young, is there any anything at all that we should be looking at? Or is this a guy that you can basically uh, stay away from in fantasy? He was he was good in camp as well. I thought he's a really good runner. I don't know how much of a factor he's going to be in the passing game, but he ran the ball really well, and he really impressed Hal Mummy and um, running back coach uh, Bobby Blizzard as well. So I wouldn't necessarily count him out. It's just it's a really crowded backfield, so I don't know how they're going to distribute the carries just yet. I think we'll learn a lot more when week one rolls around. The only safe choices right now are going to be Cameron Artis Payne and Lance Dunbar. In terms of how they're going to use Alston Walter, or uh, Mark, uh, Marquez Young is going to be interesting. I don't know how that's going to work out yet, but I thought all the running backs ran really well in camp, and they were probably the position that most impressed. I think this is the most frustrating part about drafting in a league where they've never played a snap before. Because in the NFL, obviously, you know there's some history. And even if you draft a rookie, you know, you know that the system and you know what's in place. The team has been around for a while. We are literally drafting blind on a lot of these things. And so when you start playing uh, and when you start ranking these guys... I, the the landscape can change from week one to week two without so much as a blink of an eye. So I, again, you know, you just never know going into it. Yeah, the waiver wire is definitely going to be very busy in those first couple of weeks. So I think people are going to start to realize who 
who is for real and who may not be as good as they thought they was going to be. And in a 10 game, you know, most people are doing eight, eight games, eight regular season games, uh, one playoff and one championship game. So you really have zero time and no errors you can make in this league. Exactly. You got to get it right the first time. Otherwise you could be left in the dust very quickly. Absolutely. All right. So let's move on to this wide receiver position. Cause as many names that you can remember, you can recognize in the running back squad. Uh, there's really not that many in this wide receiver squad. In fact, I, I, there's really no household names that I'm looking at right now on this list. So why don't you acquaint us with some folks to look at, uh, as we take a look at this, uh, this Dallas roster. Yeah, this is a position that a lot of people, have been maybe talking down on more than I think they need to be. I think this is probably the most underrated receiving core in the league. There is so much speed and so much talent on on this position that I, I think people are really underestimating it. The two big names that people need to know about is Jeff Bidette and Jazz Ferguson. Now, Jazz Ferguson is a guy that I was not aware of until I went to minicamp in December, and I watched him make so many spectacular catches that I was like, wow. This guy is a game changer and he continued it in training camp. And I think that's what led to guys like uh, Stacy Coley being traded because of Jazz Ferguson's performance. He was absolutely spectacular. I, I would say he was the best receiver in camp. Jeff Bidette is obviously a great talent. He was the first player drafted on this team. So obviously there was high expectations from him from the get go. So uh, I think we all knew how great he was going to be, but Jazz Ferguson, is one of the very few receivers on this team that's actually, you know, over six foot tall. So he's going to be a huge factor, you know, as an outside receiver. Don't be surprised if they're going to throw it to this guy a lot in goal line situations. If you're looking for that fade route, they're going to be looking at Jazz Ferguson every time. So him and Bidette will be the two guys that I think are going to make a major impact in fantasy. Another guy I would look out for is Flynn Nigel. I love this guy. He is he looks exactly like Wes Walker. I mean, when you put him in the slot, he's got great hands. He runs crossing routes incredibly well. He can run that short slant uh, to perfection. He's got he I don't think I saw him drop one pass in camp. So I really love how he plays. I think he's a perfect slot receiver, and I can expect him to get a lot of playing time during the season. Some other guys I would bring up, Gerard Hurd is uh, is a very interesting player just because he not only did he play receiver in camp, but he also played a lot of quarterback after Landry Jones got hurt. And he actually threw the ball very well. So this is the guy, when you talk about that double, double forward pass rule that they've implemented, Gerard Hurd is going to be perfect for that. I think Hal Mummy can have a lot of fun with him with uh, calling plays like that, but you know, Hurd is a very, he's a very physical receiver. I mean, he made a lot of tough catches during camp. So I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a lot of playing time. And then this team also traded for Freddie Martino. And Hal Mummy, you know, told me how much he really liked Freddie Martino and how he was adjusting to the offense so quickly and how good he looked. He was very good on short routes and made a lot of great catches during training camp. So I can see him getting a lot of playing time as well. And then lastly, there's uh, Joshua Crockett, who I thought was a receiver that was kind of quiet, but really played well in minicamp. He really stuck out to me. I mentioned it in one of my articles, how well he did on um, deep passes and how fast he is and how great his hands are. So overall, I rarely saw drop passes from this receiving core. And 
I, th- I think it's one of the best in the league, and I think people are going to be pleasantly surprised about how good they are once it, it comes for those first few weeks of the season. Well, I mean, Martino didn't have a bad college career either. 3,766 yards, 26 touchdowns. That's that's not a bad little uh, season. And, and for a guy who, I know that social media is kind of buzzing about, uh, um, you know, Jazz Ferguson. I've seen a lot of social media buzz on him. But yeah, I guess if you want to dig a little deeper into the trenches, that uh, uh, Martino guy looks like he's a, he's somebody that you might want to grab in the later rounds to shore up your your depth and quite possibly, again, like you had said, maybe a steal of the draft. Yeah, at first, I didn't think he was going to make the roster just because he came on so late. I think he came on with only like 10 days left of camp. But I, I got a chance to go out to um, Houston for training camp, and I saw him play, and I was like, this guy looks really good. He could probably make the team very easily. And he, en- he ended up doing it. And so I wouldn't be surprised if they threw him in that um, rotation of receivers. He just picked up the offense so quickly, and he's got great hands. So I would not be surprised if he gets a lot of playing time. Can it just already be the eighth, please? Because I'm so <laughs> ready to watch these guys start playing out. It's like I, there's so much talk that goes into the beginning of the season, and then you just you want to hurry up and get there so you can you can start talking about what's happened rather than what's going to happen. Yeah, and it, it's just hard because there's so much talent on this team that you want to be able to display it in those first few weeks. I don't think a lot of people have had a chance to see what the Renegades have, and honestly, we haven't seen what a lot of teams have, but. After just what I've seen from camp the the few times I was out there, there's a lot of talent on this offense. There's so much speed. It's really scary. I think there's going to be so many big plays from this team this season. All right, so let's go down one last position, and that's the tight end position. Some people are drafting tight ends. I I, I guess that's going to be a thing. Uh, so tell me about these tight ends, and are they worth touching? Should we even be drafting tight ends in this league? I, that's what I want to know. Uh, it's interesting because I think some teams don't even have tight ends or they only have one or two and the Renegades have three and I think they have three pretty good ones. I mean, Donald Parham is a really good tight end. I thought he really stood out at camp. He's got great hands and he impressed a lot of the coaches and he was great in the uh, scrimmage against the uh, Battle Hawks. So I think he earned himself a starting job just from that alone. And then um, Sean Price is another one that I think really stood out to me as well. He was uh, He's an Alliance of American Football member, and I thought he had a really good camp as well. Those would be the two I really looked at. Uh, Julian Allen's also got good hands. I just don't know how much playing time he's going to get. I really don't know how much playing time the Titans will get in general. A lot of the times when I saw them, they were um, just playing in the slot receiver in this offense. So it will be interesting to see how they're going to be used in the air raid offense. But uh, Donald was definitely probably the standout at camp, and he will probably end up being the starter. <sighs> okay, I don't know. I'm still not sold on tight ends in this league because you're right. I've seen so many that are are either they don't have tight ends or uh, you know their their tight ends are just people that. I mean, it almost feels like they just said, "Okay, well, you, I guess you got to have tight ends on football." So here, let's let's draft these guys. So I don't know. I'm hoping to get proven wrong. I really am. I want to I want to see good play, and I like good tight end play because, listen, I'm a Niner fan. So George Kittle is is like the fantasy god right now. So um, that man is a, is brings tight ends a, a very good name. So I'm hoping that maybe some guys in the XFL will do that. Yeah, it really just depends on the type of offense that. Um, these teams have some with somebody like an air raid offense, there is potential that a tight end can put up big numbers, 
But in terms of how other teams, like I don't even, I don't even know if the Roughnecks had any tight ends on their roster. So it, it really just depends on the system that they have. I, I would do a lot of research and be a little bit cautious when it comes down to the tight end position or even if you want to include them in fantasy this year, that, that, that's kind of interesting. It, I guess it just, it depends on preference. Yeah. Yeah. It's preference. And then just, you know, the overall structure of your, I mean, if you're going to, if you're going to set maybe like a, like what I'm, I'm planning on probably doing with my uh, listener league is, you know, a quarterback and I'm still toying with the team quarterback concept. I don't know if I, if I fully embrace that or not, I, I'm still on the fence about it, but then, you know, quarterback uh, two, well, one wide receiver, two, or I'm sorry, one running back, two wide receivers, and then two flex spots, which is running back, wide receiver, tight end. So it gives you the option. You don't have to be locked into a tight end, but you can draft one if you want to. Yeah, that would probably be the safest choice. And I bet you a lot of people won't draft tight ends right away. They'll see how they get played in the first few weeks. And if there are some that stand out, then they'll probably be hitting the waiver wires to get them. Absolutely. All right, so we've covered quite a bit of ground. Um, is there any player that we did not talk about that you want to put on everybody's fantasy radar or, or you think we're good? Um, I would just say at the running back position, it would be interesting to see how Austin Walter, how much playing time he gets. I think he could really determine in the first couple of weeks if people should go after him in fantasy just because we'll see if Lance Dunbar can stay healthy. So that'd be one guy I would watch out for. If if you have a chance to get Jazz Ferguson, please draft him. I think he's going to be the number. I think he's going to be the top receiver on this team. Personally, I think he's played incredibly well. I would go after him. Otherwise, I, I think when you look at the receiving core for Dallas, there's a ton of talent there. I think whoever you pick, you can't go wrong. I love it. High praise from the man that covers the team. So yeah, I, I, I'm telling you right now, we uh, we're getting ever so closer, and every every time that you know, someone like you comes on the show and, and breaks down a team. It's so much more valuable, I think, than if I were to sit around and talk about it. So I'm so, I'm so happy that you joined the show. I'm so happy that uh, you're out there living the dream, covering these renegades and, uh, and that you're having a blast. So um, yeah, thanks for, thanks for being on the show. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. So give everybody a chance real quick, just before you go, uh, tell everybody where they can find you on social media and follow all your great work. Yeah, so I do a lot of work on Twitter. So if you have a chance to come follow me or just have a conversation with me, please do. You can follow me at uh, AntMill40. Uh, let's talk about some you know, football when it comes down to either the NFL or the XFL. I always like to engage with fans. So feel free to tweet at me or message me. Love to have those conversations with you. Anthony Miller, ladies and gentlemen, find his work at XFL board. And of course, follow him on Twitter. Great follow. Great guy. And uh, yeah, man, thanks for being on. And back for another week because I don't know that I can keep this guy away. I don't know that I want to keep this guy away. John Ferguson again, everybody. And now a new title. I'm going to let you introduce where you're at now because this is exciting stuff and we didn't even really get to talk about it off air, but uh, John is in a new home and, and an exciting new home. So John, why don't you tell us about what you're doing now? Yeah. So I got picked up by EstablishTheRun.com to cover XFL exclusively for them this season. So Super pumped to get started. We've we've gotten started on content this week actually with them, and yeah, I'm I'm just thrilled to be part of such a crazy elite team of analysts that they have there. 
Well, and you've earned it, man. You grind more than any fantasy writer that I know. I mean, your research is, and I said it on episodes before, and, and for those people who are just listening for the first time, John, it digs deeper than I think than anybody probably needs to in life, but uh, we all appreciate it because we all benefit from it. So uh, yeah, man, well, well-deserved and congratulations on that uh, huge, huge news. Thank you, man. Thank you. I appreciate that. Absolutely. All right. So let's dig in. Let's let's talk a little bit about this uh, fantasy stuff because this landscape has changed uh, so much even over the course of the last week or so. And there's a lot of speculation. Rosters just came out. It's it's madness out there right now. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, I spoke to a team source um, that said that they're anticipating having official depth charts uh, early next week. And so hopefully that's true. Uh, because that's just, I mean, a complete game changer as far as fantasy goes for DFS. And, you know, even people who are drafting season-long leagues right now that have come to me, like, looking for advice, I'm like, dude, the best advice I can give you right now is to wait and, like, wait as long as you can to have your draft. Like, have it on, like, Wednesday or Thursday of next week, basically, because hopefully by then we'll have official depth charts in. Even if not, I think, actually, we're supposed to get... um, I think I think some of the DFS slates for the first week of XFL should be released either either this weekend or early next week. And so at the very least we can look at player pricing on those DFS slates and you know so the pricing is, could be kind of sloppy <laughs> because if they don't have depth charts to go off of either, you know, they're just kind of guessing. Um, but at least it's something more concrete for, for us to kind of gauge depth charts off of aside from right now, we're just kind of picking up the breadcrumbs from training camp reports and looking at past performance and history, uh, historical stats and things like that. So yeah, there's, there's a lot going on. I mean, we're, we're so close. Like, can you feel it? I just feel it, man. We're so close. It, I mean, it is. And let me just tell you, I am so glad that you said wait till Wednesday because I just literally recorded the first part, the first segment of the show. And I said the exact same thing. I said, just be patient. I said, it's okay to practice patience in this because you're going to you're gonna have a lot more fun playing fantasy when you can draft players that you know are going to play. The, the people that drafted like last week before the rosters even came out, I, I said, you guys are a little crazy and I, a li- I, I appreciate the hustle, but I mean, y- you don't even know if these players that are going to be on your teams or on the rosters yet. So, you know, calm down, everybody. We, we can get yeah, this. We'll yeah, get exactly. through it. So, yeah, right now it's like there's no rush, really. I know it's exciting and it's fun and you want to hurry up and do it. But, like, just just for, you know, for all fairness of the league, too, with your league mates and everything, like, you want, like if someone, yeah, right, winds up drafting a bunch of guys who are all bench players, like, the league's not going to be fun. Like, that guy's not going to win. He's probably not going to pay attention to his team past, like, week three probably if he's losing every single game because he doesn't have any starters and so yeah it's just it'd be so much better just wait out a little bit for for season long to draft yeah and that's i think what we're going to do for the listener league i'm just i'm waiting till wednesday you know i'm waiting till thursday i know people want to do it now and but they'll have plenty of time to set their rosters they'll have plenty of time to figure it out before they get there and you know that that'll be it so um Speaking of uh, setting rosters and, and, and doing this, I know everybody out there is really waiting so much for somebody to swoop in with an app to play fantasy football season long, I'm, I'm sure. But um, I, I don't think that's coming. Even Oliver Luck today, or not today, but the other day, uh, was on ESPN radio, and it still didn't sound like the XFL is going to have 
a season-long option on an app. Yeah, so I think I think as far as season-long goes and for fantasy app and things like that, I mean, yeah, I know, I know Lux said that there was going to be there's going to be some major announcements coming for for the XFL app for fantasy and stuff like that. But um, you know, I just I don't know, I don't, I don't see it happening. It's, it, I mean, kickoff next week, you know. And they've already got partners with DraftKings and FanDuel and everything for DFS. And I think that's just season. They might have some kind of gimmicky, you know, like player pick em type of thing or something like that that doesn't involve any like heavy organization or, you know, application running or anything like that. So I don't know. We'll see. But I think the main focus is all on DFS and sports betting this year. Yeah, and that's what I picked up because I, I thought, well, it would be too difficult for them to roll out a, a full season-long option uh, with a week left. And then what we got in the AAF, remember, was that they said, well, we're going to revolutionize fantasy football, and we got the video game app that really didn't work all that well. And so that was a little disappointing, too. Yeah, exactly. I think they they you know it's probably better off to just not mess with it and put out something that sucks and... <laughs> You know, but just leave it alone. Just not do it at all. And just let the DFS providers take care of everything. Yeah, and I'm okay with that too because that to me, you know, I, and I saw the uh, DraftKings actually has that uh, ticket that's going out to the uh, the the first place winner of whatever showdown. I think it's a ten dollars showdown or the three dollars showdown. That the first place person gets a, a free seat in the in the XFL kickoff contest. So that's pretty exciting. Yeah, yeah, they have that satellite contest to where yeah you can. I think what was it like the top 100 or something get entered into the week one for XFL. So that, that's, that's cool. That's a good way to promote it. That's really a great way to promote it. Yeah. And I can't wait till the prices come out because I really can't wait to dig in. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, all right. So we're here because we want to talk a little bit about coaching strategies and how they're going to affect the players that we draft and, and where we're taking them. And, uh, I know you wanted to dig into that because that really does make a huge difference as far as, uh, who we take and, and what kind of, uh, play on the field we're going to expect. So, um, where do you want to start, man? That's such a huge topic. <laughs> where do you want to start? Yeah, I've, I've done some extensive research on this over the last couple of weeks. Um, basically pulling pulling stats from coaches um, past seasons with teams that they were you know either head coach or offensive coordinator for as well. Um, so I think the best place to start the two teams that have kind of the biggest uh, trends that are going to have a fantasy impact are both both in Texas. So we'll talk Texas first um, with Houston and Dallas. And so first off with with Houston we had June Jones. Um, as the as the head coach, and you know, we all know that his his offenses are super wide receiver friendly, super pass heavy. He doesn't have a tight end, and so I pulled stats from I pulled his uh, 2018 season from the CFL when he was with the Hamilton Tiger Cats, and then I pulled three years of his his last three years at SMU um, in 2011 through 13, and like. I was I was pretty shocked to see how wide receiver friendly they were. So um, some crazy stats that I was able to find um, out of 85 possible receiving touchdowns, his wide receivers caught 84 of them. So there was only one running back in the CFL that had a receiving touchdown. Other than that, in, the, in all four of those seasons, there was 100% wide receivers. And so that was just, I mean, a crazy, crazy statistic. And then just his wide receivers just, they got fed. And his, his wide receiver one and two 
both were fed super heavily. And so whoever winds up being the wide receiver two for, for Houston is actually going to put up like legitimate wide receiver one type numbers. Um, and so something that I broke down for that was looking at the um, receiving market share of those teams. So basically the percentage of receptions that those players got uh, compared to their team total of receptions. And so his wide receiver two averaged 24% of the team's receptions in those four years that I pulled. And from the other teams, I've, I've got seven teams worth of data. I still need to dig through DC. But of, of all the other teams in the league, uh, the only team whose wide receiver one had a higher reception market share than June Jones's wide receiver two was in Dallas with, with Bob Stoops and Howe Money. So uh, June Jones is wide receivers, man. Like his one and two, whoever, like if we get the official depth chart and we know who those top two guys are, um, then those two, I mean, it's, it's looking like obviously Sammy Coates, you know, is going to be a big player there. His, his, under that, you know, it's still kind of a guessing game. I've got Khalil Lewis and Cam Phillips as the two and three. Um, and then I'm predicting Khalil Lewis as the wide receiver two since he had the higher draft capital. He was second round draft pick in the XFL draft taking 15th overall, and he's more of a possession receiver, 5'10", 190 pounds, whereas Coates is more of that deep threat. Uh, so, I mean, I think if those guys went for wide receiver 1 and 2 for Houston, man, they're going to put up crazy numbers. You talk about those wide receiver 1 and 2s for, I mean, he had a guy uh, that was named Brandon Banks in uh, Hamilton and and Brandon Banks was pretty much the best receiver in the league uh, for the the time that he was with June Jones because in fact it was June Jones who moved uh, Brandon Banks from a special teams guy to an actual wide receiver because you know before he was just being used as a return man and uh, June Jones was like no we're gonna put you you know out at receiver and it completely changed Banks's career so you're right as far as June knowing how to use his receivers because Brandon Banks became the top receiver in the league almost instantaneously. And then guys like Braylon Addison, uh, Jalen Saunders, you know, Mike Jones, some of those guys for the Ticats, uh, they put up huge numbers in his offense. And they, they went from 0-8 in the first eight games of the season without June Jones to 8-0 and those next games. And so, and that was a lar- largely due to the passing game. And, and yeah, you're right. These, these Houston wide receivers need to be ranked high up there, I think, in, in most overall ranks. Yeah, not only that, too, though, but when you look at the total um, running back receptions, too, like, he literally does not spread the ball out. Like, the running backs in the four-year total that I had only averaged, they averaged under 10% of the, of the team's reception market share. So you got 0% for tight end. You've got maybe 10% for the running back. You're talking about 90% of receptions going to wide receivers. And you're talking about borderline 100% of receiving touchdowns going to wide receivers. So I don't think there's a lot of hope for, you know, a running back there. Like, you know, I, I love D'Angelo Henderson, and he's got some receiving chops. But I just don't, you know, they're, just, they're not going to utilize those players that way, I don't think. And then Andre Williams is just he's worthless in the passing game. So you're not going to see anything from him. So, I mean, it's just, you know, I think everyone knows you know, that it's a very pass-friendly offense and wide receiver-friendly, but when you put it in the context with what is kind of normal or even high usage, this is, like, to the extreme. And and with that being said, too, I think, you know, you have to really, you know, Connor Cook, I think, is projected to be the starting quarterback there, 
And I, I just, I mean, he's in the national commercial, I think, right? Mm-hmm. But like, I don't know. He, he just, he doesn't get the same love that like Cardale Jones is getting. And like even Landry Jones, who has had no knee for all his training camp, I feel like it's hyped up more than Connor Cook does. And I mean, Connor Cook, dude, he could, he could be like, you could be a top three quarterback easily. Yeah, and and again, you just you never know with these guys because you're right. Connor Cook's being pushed on on TV, but you know all the talk is around Landry Jones, Cadell Jones, and even now that we know that Brandon Silvers and Jordan Tamu are going to be starting, uh, it still overshadows Connor Cook. I don't know that anybody really else is talking. People are talking more about Luis Perez than Connor Cook. That that should tell you something. Yeah, <laughs> I I feel bad. Like I'm sure Luis Perez is a really nice guy, but like. I, just, I don't care. Like, I don't know why if he's like the Tim Tebow of the XFL and like of the spring leagues. He's just like, he's just like, he doesn't actually really do anything, but everyone just can't stop talking about him. Oh, they love I, just, him. I don't get it. Like they do. And that's great. I'm happy for him, but I'm just like, it's just so irrelevant. Like it's, why, why are we talking about this guy? He's not going to even start. Like, I don't care. <laughs> Uh, all right, so we moved from Houston. Uh, I just talked to Anthony Miller about Dallas, uh, but let's talk about the coach correlation between what what's going on there and the players that that's going to affect. Yeah, well, I mean, this is I mean the most prolific coaching staff in the league, obviously with Bob Stoops and the Hell Bunny, and I mean we just we just know Stoops is a legend, you know, with his time in Oklahoma. And just digging through the, I dig through, I dug through three years of his Oklahoma, his last three years from 2014 to 2016, just to get kind of a snapshot of his usage rates and things like that. And, um, you know, just seeing the players, you know, just like, man, Baker Mayfield, you know, Tom J.P. Ryan, you know, Joe Mixon, you know, he just he had such good players on his team. And so, you know, in the context, on the context of, you know, this league now, you kind of wonder how that's going to translate. But um, some of the bigger things there, he, he did have his wide receiver one, like I said, had really high uh, reception market share, a 26% reception market share. Um, well, that's actually, that's between you know, three years of Stoops, and then I pulled three years of How Mummy. Um, he had two years when he was a head coach at New Mexico in 07 and 08. And then I pulled actually his 2013 season at SMU, where he was the offensive coordinator for June Jones. And so there's, you know, a lot of similarities in the offenses between these two teams. And I think that's why they have kind of a lot of similarities stand out in the passing game. Um, and so something I did think was a little bit interesting with this, looking, looking at the, um, the pass-to-rush ratio, um, was that Stoops in those three seasons at Oklahoma that we had pulled was pretty consistently within like a 40% pass, 60% run ratio. Whereas uh, how Mummy three-season uh, data pool that I had here was more heavy towards the pass. So they had like 65, 35, 60, 40, kind of in that range a little bit more. And so, you know, everyone's anticipating more of like a 65, 35 split in favor of the pass for this league. And so if we see that, then, you know, their, their wide receiver one also looks like they'll get fed pretty well, um, which is probably Jeff Ledette. But uh, you've also got Jazz Ferguson there, you know, who I, I love, and he's just a you know size speed freak. And so I think I think those two are just going to be they're going to be lights out. And you've got twenty six percent receiving percentage for the wide receiver one. You've got about eighteen percent or less uh, for the wide receiver two. 
So those are, those are pretty good numbers. And then also with the receiving touchdowns, that these guys also utilize the wide receivers pretty heavily in the, in the end zone. They had about 73% of receiving touchdowns from these six seasons came from wide receivers. And how Mummy especially, he had 100% season there. That one at uh, SMU with June Jones, where only wide receivers had touchdowns. But then, like when he was head coach at New Mexico in 08, um, his wide receivers caught 92% of the team's touchdowns. And then in 07, they caught 89%. So, again, it's just super heavy focus towards the wide receivers on these teams. And then, um, again, just no, just really no love for the tight ends, with the exception of uh, Mark Andrews was a tight end for Stoops around this time. And so when you look at Dallas's roster, something that stood out to me is they do have Donald Parham, who's, you know, kind of a sleeper for one of the most, um, you know, highest-rated pass-catching tight ends in this league. Um, I mean, Parham had some crazy numbers at Stetson. Uh, he had an 85-catch season in 2018. And just when you look at the tight ends in the league in total uh, for the XFL, uh, he had the most college receiving yards with 2,591 yards in college. He had 20 touchdowns in college. He had 180 receptions. So, you know, if, if Stoops and, and Mummy are looking at Donald Parham as kind of guy that, that they can use in the mold of Mark Andrews uh, based on the usage that Stoops had with Andrews at Oklahoma, um, I, I think Tom could be a, he's a, he's a really good sleeper for like a top three tight end at least because, um, you know, Mark Andrews had like 23% to 25% of the team's receiving touchdowns in the, in the couple of those years at Oklahoma. Yeah, and no other tight end even comes within, I think, half of the total of, of what Parham has in the rest of the league. So if you want to talk about past performance, uh, and while we know it never really always uh, accurately projects future uh, play, but uh, if we're, all we have to go on right now is that uh, when you got a guy who's who's doubled up on the second person in the in the league then yeah you're definitely uh, looking at a tight end to possibly draft to fill one of those flex spots that you got yeah i mean you know if we if we start seeing some some trends after you know maybe about three weeks is, is the best time to really start being like okay this is a trend we need about three weeks worth of data um if we start seeing one team in particular that's like they just don't know how to cover tight ends you know it happens in the nfl where there's like you know, Arizona Cardinals give up 100 yards and a touchdown to tight end almost every week. You know, it's not, not that much, but it just, you know, they just, they don't know how to stop tight ends, basically. So, you know, those kind of trends do pop up. And so if there's one, if there's one team in the Pacific that's just like doesn't know how to cover tight end and Donald Farms going up against them, you do look at that. I mean, he can put up some, he can put up some pretty big numbers. He's a really capable pass catcher. That's that's more of a good DFS type play too. It's something to keep your eyes on when you're when you're picking teams uh, every week because yeah, we we know that season long sometimes you can get stuck. But uh, you know, and here's the thing, I, I'll tell you right now that I feel like I'm I'm really I'm gonna play season long because. That's, you know, I'm a junkie and I'll play season long, but I, I almost feel like this this type of league will just lend itself better to playing it every week and drafting every week. Because let's say you get stuck with a guy that underperforms and the waiver wire is is thin because you drafted a little deep. I just it won't make it as fun, in, in my opinion. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
So I, I don't know. Maybe I'll play a lot more uh, uh, season or I'm sorry, daily than I will season long. But you got to play season long because that's just what football fantasy junkies do. So, um, all right. So what are we looking at uh, in the landscape as far as um, uh, there's a lot of people out there that are starting to project some some mock first rounds. I know I did a mock first round earlier. Um, where are we spending those early draft picks, John? Because I feel like you're still rolling the dice no matter what you do. Yeah, and so we get depth charts, you know, like I feel like I mean, I have I have a top five at each position right now that I'm that I'm pretty comfortable with. Um and so I mean, I can go over those really quick. Um for for quarterback, uh my top five, I I still got Josh Johnson on top, even though he didn't play in the preseason scrimmages and we don't really know what's going on like he haven't heard anything about an injury or anything like that, so I mean, I'm assuming he's fine. Um, but then after him, you know, with the news that came out about Landry Jones, you know, being, you know, hopeful to play week one, and he said the worst case scenario for him right now is week two. Um, and then when we look at his injury, he was given four to six week timeline. Six weeks would have been a week three start, technically. But so it's totally realistic that he's on the field for week two, and if that's if that's true, I mean, I think you do have to slide him in basically as as the number two quarterback and possibly even the number one, um, because you know just again going back to that that usage that Dallas had with uh, you know their, their quarterbacks and their passing game, and I mean they're the only team in the league that I've looked at so far whose quarterback averaged more than two passing touchdowns per game. So, I mean, he's, he's just, he's a really good bet for, you know, some pretty big numbers. Um, Aaron Murray is still number three for me, just with Tampa Bay's offense and the team in general projected pretty high. We saw, you know, all those, you know, sports books putting out odds for the championship and Tampa Bay was like no worse than third place, I think, in all those ranks. Um, after that, I've got Cardale Jones. You gotta, you gotta keep him still in the top five conversation. A lot of people probably put him a little bit higher, two or three, but to me, he's still kind of in the middle of the pack. And he's also got, um, you know, Tyree Jackson behind him, who he's, he's a really good quarterback. And so, and, I mean, I don't think there's any, you know, we don't have to worry about any type of quarterback battle there. But if for whatever reason Cardinal does struggle, he's got a really capable uh, guy behind him. Um, and then, like I was saying, Connor Cook, you know, if it's, if it's Connor Cook, he starts and he's, he's, he's top five. He, he's got to be a top five for me. I mean, whoever's just starting, it's either him or P.J. Walker. But I think Cook's got the edge right now. And so he's, he's got to be a top five, and I think he's got top three potential. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I, well, I think I have, I know I have Cardell Jones two and Aaron Murray three. So I think we flip flopped on that when we talked about uh, top five. Uh, I, I think Brandon Silvers belongs in the top five conversation as well. I, I have a feeling that he's going to uh, turn a lot of heads because I, I liked what he did at the end of the AAF season. And um, I think he's ready. I think the fact that they named him starter as early as they did kind of gives us at least where, where their head's at there. And we know that they're confident in his ability to start. So I, I feel like that keeps him uh, up there in the top five as well. Yeah, I definitely can. You know, the only thing the only thing that I look at with Seattle is and I mean they're the they're the most intriguing team to me. And I've been I've been saying this ever since I started breaking down these rosters because to me they look like the team that is most capable and most prepared to take advantage of a lot of the new rules, like the double forward pass in this league. 
um, with, you know, Keenan Reynolds as a top wide receiver who has quarterback experience from college. And then not only that, but you've got, you've got, um, you know, a lot of guys just with versatile skill set. And even BJ Daniel has a very versatile skill set. And we could see both quarterbacks on the field at the same time. You know, we could see double four pass with Brandon Silver's under center. He passes it out to BJ Daniels. He passes it out to someone else. And, you know, when, when, uh, we just found out actually today from champion data, the data supplier for the XFL is that, uh, the original quarterback on those double forward passes aren't going to get any stats basically, uh, on those plays. So yeah. it, when those plays happen, whoever the second player was that makes the pass gets, he gets all the passing yards and, you know, everything. It's basically counted as a lateral. So. And then you got, you know, John Santiago, who's got rushing ability too. Reynolds has a lot of rushing ability. I just, I see this team is just, they're built a little bit more unique than most of the teams in the league. And I, I really think that they could, they could actually wind up being one of the most like run heavy offenses that we see in this league, just because they've got, you know, that three headed monster with Pharaoh, Gardner, and Williams in the backfield. They've got Reynolds and Santiago can both run it. They've got CJ Daniels can run it. And I just, I don't know. I think I just, I think I see like a lot of quirkiness to this offense. And so I just, I can't really bank on Brandon Silver being like this elite pocket passer uh, on this team. Why are you trying to talk me down off my Brandon Silver's ledge? The Dragons are my team and that's my quarterback. I, <laughs> I like that. No, I, it's nothing against him and his ability or anything like that, but I just, I don't know. There's just something about this team I see that is, is just really unique. And I just think we're going to see, you know, and, and from the, from the coaching data that I pulled with Jim Zorn and Mike Riley, also I, I looked at two years when Zorn was with the Redskins, and I looked at three years when Riley was the head coach for Nebraska. And, um, you know, his, the quarterbacks that they had uh, barely averaged 20 completions per game. And the completion percentage was below 60, like 58 percent. Um, so you know they they just they didn't they never really ran prolific passing offenses. They they sat right around um, that like 53 percent, 46 percent pass rush split. Um, so I just I don't know, man. I, and we don't really know like I mean, is Keenan Reynolds the wide receiver one there? Like is Casey Williams the wide receiver one? Like the team doesn't really have a prototypical wide receiver one. They have a bunch of short dudes, really, because like their tallest wide receiver is six foot one. They don't have anyone taller than that. They've only got one guy who's over two hundred pounds, which is Casey Williams for receivers. Um, I mean, they're pretty stacked at tight end and, and I think that might be some like something that we see a lot of two tight end sets with Seattle. Uh, I think we see Evan Rodriguez and Connor Hamlet both on the field a lot. And then I, I perceive Connor Hamlet probably being their biggest red zone threat since he's six seven, you know, almost two hundred sixty pounds. He's a, he's a big dude. So, you know, there's just there's a lot of there's a lot of quirks with this offense, and so it's, it's really hard to peg their quarterback as someone that's a top five guy for me. Even though I don't think it's because of poor play, I think it's just because of the way this offense is going to be run. 
Oh, so much to digest, man. And we're, we're just so close and yet so far away from actually being able to uh, put any of this stuff into motion. But I know that there's a lot of people clamoring for this type of information right now because they really, like we said, want to get their draft on. So uh, I hope that we have given you enough to chew on over the course of the last half hour to really get your uh, your draft cheats, uh, your cheat sheets rather, in, in order. And like I said uh, earlier in the show, I'm getting mine ready. But again, until we get those depth charts really it's just it's not going to be for anything like it's just going to be updated and constantly updated and i know you're you're in the same boat where you want to hurry up and get content out but anything we do right now is going to change in 24 hours and all the work we put into it is is going to be for naught. so i think it's best that we all wait and see when the depth charts come out so we can make finally make some official uh, uh actual predictions yeah and we do actually we're just starting to put out depth charts at establish the run um, we just started releasing content um, on Thursday, and so uh, we've got a couple of depth charts out right now, and we're we're working on the rest. Should be out, um, you know, pretty quick here. Uh, we've got them pretty pretty well fine tuned to where you know myself and uh, Adam and uh, Evan have all kind of come together to put these things together. And um, so yeah, you can you can get that content at established the run, and I mean these guys are putting out some awesome stuff and we got our content schedule actually set up and we're going to have a, um, a live stream every week on Thursdays. We're going to have, I'm going to be putting out a weekly team by team recap on Tuesdays. That's going to be basically covering everything that happened from the week prior covering, you know, injuries, usage notes, uh, how the coaching tendencies are working out in this league now instead of in the past. And then kind of like depth chart changes, and then we're going to be doing tons of DFS content. We're going to be looking at top plays. We're going to have you know, those sorted out by tiers for the main slates with player notes. And we've, got, we've got a lot of really cool stuff going on. Man, that's going to be phenomenal. So again, if you want all that content, make sure you're following John at Fantasy Ferguson on Twitter, uh, and, and that way you can keep an eye on where you can get all that content because, uh, again, if you're a DFS player, it's clutch. Uh, and of course, you'll hear him here when we bring him on because John is, is we can't keep him off the microphone. He's, he's constantly saying, Rod, but I can, you know, can I get back on the show? Rod, can I get back on the show? <laughs> well, I keep digging through all these damn stats, man, and I got to tell someone about them. Really <laughs> so. Hey, I am always, always <laughs> your receptacle for stats, man. I love it, I, and and I know our listeners love it too because they appreciate the uh, the research and they appreciate uh, at least knowing where they're going to be uh, putting their DFS dollars and their their draft capital in uh, this season. So, John, man, just. Once again, thanks for filling my head because now I'm going to have to try to go to sleep with all of this knowledge. <laughs> yeah, man. My pleasure. I'm glad that like, you just, someone likes to do it. I have to let my, let my wife know that. People actually do care. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's validation. Just tell her, listen, at least one person all the way in California cares what I do. So I'm going to take that to the bank. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, all right once again john ferguson find him at fantasy ferguson on twitter and of course now uh covering the xfl on establish the run make sure you head over there follow them and uh, and all of their great content john thanks for joining the show thank you i'll talk to you again soon And that'll just about do it for another episode of the XFL Fantasy Central podcast. What a adventure. What an adventure that we went on. 
how crazy and how much uh, just information crammed into uh, this this period. I know this one was a little bit of a long one, but I certainly know that it was worth it for all of the fantasy advice that you got from such fantastic minds. Uh, again, big thanks to Anthony Miller writing at XFL board for the Renegades. And then, of course, Fantasy Ferguson, John Ferguson, the uh, new uh, writer for Establish the Run. And man, again, a wealth of fantasy knowledge. I just, I love that man. I, I basically think that uh, everything he says is gold and uh, you should listen to his advice just about as much as I'm going to listen to his advice all season long. Uh, again, find him on Twitter at Fantasy Ferguson and then find Anthony Miller on Twitter um, at AntMill40. That's A-N-T-M-I-L-L 40. Uh, and you can follow him for all of his coverage on The Renegade. So we are so close to the season getting started. I really just cannot wait to start putting all of the stuff that we learned into effect and watching these fantasy drafts happen and watching all of it uh, uh, really play out in front of us. So thank you to everybody that started to follow the show on Twitter. Thanks for everybody that has been subscribing and leaving reviews. Um, I think we may have enough for a second listener league so give me the weekend to figure this out uh, and if you're already in the listener league hang tight we're getting it all set up this weekend this is the weekend uh, work has been busy this week so it's been hard to get the stuff together but this weekend uh, it'll happen Saturday I'm taking a nice full day and, and getting it all set up so uh, yeah be patient we'll get there and we'll all get there together and come week one we're going to have a ton of fun playing XFL fantasy so uh, again thank you for listening thank you for subscribing thank you for the support this has been a blast and I'm going to continue to do it all season long so uh until then until we get ready to start kicking off uh please soon let's make some money 